0: You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. Last week Pastor Joe, um, I can't remember exactly what he said but it just triggered a memory and he was talking about uh, preachers, you know, looking for encouragement and I remember back in the early days when I was learning how to be a pastor and learning how to preach and my pastor Michael had given me the opportunity to preach one Sunday morning and this was up at the church in Berry. So we're driving home and being the pathetic person that I am, I'm desperately trying to get my wife to tell me how amazing I was. So I'm sending messages, you know, like telepathy, please help me, please tell me. She never got the memo. So in the end, I plucked up enough courage and I asked her, well, what what did you think of my sermon today? And uh, she said, yeah, yeah, it was quite good. And uh, I felt really terrific and I'm sort of preening myself And then she said, yes, Irene, that's one of the ladies in the church, uh, said uh, how much she enjoyed your message. And I thought, oh, that's good, good feedback, must be doing a good job. Yes, said Irene, Michael, the senior pastor, is so deep. Therefore, Kevin must be so shallow. So I'm sorry, guys, you got shallow Kev today. (laughs) I'll uh, never forget that. So just doesn't pay to go looking for compliments sometimes. Okay, so while we're having a little bit of a bit of a laugh, my wife brought this home the other day. Uh you might be able to put this into your marriage course. <laughs> I'm not sure why she brought it home. I think it was just to remind me of the two careers that we have. <laughs> I earn it, she spends it. Yeah, it works for us. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, so let's get a little bit more serious. Today I want to speak to you about the comfort of God. And this um, uh, message it kind of evolved out of our last conference, which was really probably one of the best conferences I've ever been to, and believe me, I've been to a few. And during the conference, they were talking, and different speakers talking about, Um, you know reviving yourself as a minister and taking care of yourself and your mental health and things like this and it just occurred to me uh, particularly when we went out for dinner with and we were sitting with um, a dear friend of mine and I remembered how much of a comfort he'd been to me back in days gone by and I thought you know we sing these songs about Jesus is all I need Uh, everything I need is in him so I want to Put a question to you Is Jesus all we need? Is Jesus all we need? And I guess at a theological, technical level, that is true. He is all that we need. But the question, really, that I think has been growing in me how do we have our needs actually met? How'd, and so I want to give you this scripture from which I got my title, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 7. Uh, Apostle Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's a whole lot of comfort going on in there, isn't there? It's kind of like a, like a cycle. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Now, just to make sure I'm talking to the right people, have, have you ever been in need of comfort at some point in your life? Just be, okay, that's just, a, just about all of us. Those who haven't, cheer up, your day is coming. But So Paul, this is is quite a fascinating scripture, I think. It's kind of like a bit of a cycle going here. God is the God of all comfort who comforts us so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So he's comforted so that he can comfort others. But how was he comforted by God? How did he actually receive that comfort so that he could then in turn pass it on? And again in this cycle, it's about God and it's about us. Not only do we need comfort, but we need to comfort others. And I'm going to kind of develop that that theme a little bit as we go through. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it's for your comfort with uh, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So let's have a look at um, this question. God is the God of all comfort, but how did Paul receive that comfort? And how do you and I receive God's comfort I think that's a pretty good question to get the answer to, don't you? Okay, so let's have a look at some of Paul's problems. And goodness me, if you think you've got problems and need comforting, you want to read this this bloke's story. He says, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we'd received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted through the prayers of many. And this is, he goes on in another passage. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and that's with the physical ones, not the one you smoke. Uh, Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift in sea on frequent journeys in danger from the rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, uh, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So Paul really, you and I have been through some stuff, but I don't think any of us have been through what this this bloke's been through. He's been he's been whipped. He's been stoned. He's been shipwrecked. He's been abused. He's been accused. He's had enemies within and without. And above all of that, he wears the burden of all the churches. And uh, this is um, just a little aside, but you need to know. And uh, particularly if you are feeling a calling to become a minister yourself or a pastor. There is a spiritual burden of, of the churches that we're responsible for that never goes away. Now, it's a burden from Christ. It is a light burden, but it is still there. The care and concern is, is always in the mind and the heart of the pastor because they care. We care. We want you to do well, we want you to prosper, we want you to be spiritually growing. And so Paul had more than one church, he had heaps of churches, and they're all in his heart, all in his mind, and he's under this constant, constant uh, pressure. So uh, what I've discovered is there are two ways of receiving the comfort of God. And the first one is the comfort of the scriptures. Romans fifteen four to six says for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is uh, now the word encouragement in some versions it says comfort. So the scripture gives us comfort. And I want to just explain to you how how that actually, uh, how that actually comes about. Uh, and I, wanted, I just need to share a little bit of my own story. So, so just bear with me. Um, I started in pastoral ministry in 1974, when I was 27 years old. You can do the maths. And uh, we planted a small church. We went from there and pastored the church at Port Lincoln, and went from there and pastored the church at Wyala. So it was about a 10 year, uh, 10 year ministry. And in the end of 1983, I really crashed and burned in my ministry at Wyala. I made some silly decisions, made some stupid mistakes, and my board came to me and asked me for my resignation. And it was a really difficult, hard time. I'd spent 10 years of my youth, really, 27 to 37, um, just uh, pushing on into the ministry and the calling that I felt God had for me. I'd worked hard. Uh, We'd had some measure of success. We saw a lot of people get saved. We saw the churches grow. Uh, but due to my own stupidity it all crashed and came to an end. And I have to tell you my life was over. I was finished. I couldn't my I became my own worst enemy and my self-talk was, mate, you're an idiot, you're useless, you're hopeless. And I decided that I would never be never preach again. I thought, my ministry's over, I've wasted all these years. Um, I didn't blame God, I didn't blame the board, I didn't blame the people, I blamed myself. And it was a very hard, painful, difficult time in my life. I rem- and uh, the state executive suggested that we move to Adelaide, which we did. And uh, I remember, the I think it was about two days before we left, we put on a, an open house at home, afternoon tea for uh, some of our folks to come and say goodbye and not a single person turned up. And man, I tell you, that was that was really, really, really hard. And uh, of course, you know, the family suffers because they've got to be uprooted from school and moved to this mad, insane place called Adelaide. Uh, goodness me, the biggest city I've ever lived in in my life was Wyala. You could get anywhere in 10 minutes. Now I have to Spend 20 minutes getting somewhere. Well, now it's 40 minutes, isn't it? So it was a really hard and difficult time. But one thing that my rock was, I knew that I had to stay in church. I I had no future. I was never going to be a pastor again. Uh, The state executive, I I offered to resign my credential. They said, no, we love you. You're fine. Keep your credential. Um, And that was very kind of them. But there was one thing that I was deep down in my soul, I've got to stay in church. Well, I couldn't go back to my old church in Wyala. I had a great guy who was my deputy minister there. He took over the senior role. Church continued to to power on, so that was good. But up in Port Augusta, which was about a 45-minute drive, we had another church. So the pastor there was um, a chap called George Laslett. And so we used to drive up to Port Augusta every Sunday for church. Mum, dad, four kids in the back because, you know, didn't have to worry about seatbelts in those days. <laughs> and off we'd go. And uh, for about three months while we were waiting for uh, the move to Adelaide, uh, George um, and Alison, they were just loved loved us they never criticized me, never... Um, went wasn't mad at me, just loved me. Uh, every Sunday they'd take us home for lunch, which when I look back, I think that's a pretty big thing, isn't it, feeding a family of six every week. And that's what they did. And I have to tell you, without that man l- loving me and comforting me during that really difficult time, I wouldn't be here today. He Any blessing that you've ever received from me is because of that man. Because I didn't believe in myself anymore. I was finished. I was over. I had no future in the kingdom of God, apart from go to church every Sunday. And without him caring for me and comforting me, because I tell you, I didn't know where Jesus was. I couldn't pray, I was so down, I was so beaten, I couldn't think. Um, but, But you see, Jesus was in him. So I want to suggest to you today that one of the ways that we receive the comfort of God is from not everybody, but just those special people that he puts in our life at the right time, who love us, care for us, Don't criticise us and lift us up, comfort us and give us back a sense of self-worth and and self-feeling. We had the same thing in the mid-90s when my wife uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer and I have shared about that uh, before, how really scary that is, how frightening it is and uh, yes, we prayed for healing. We didn't the healing did not come through a miracle that we were praying for uh, so Jackie went through the surgery and the chemotherapy and the radiotherapy and if you've ever been through all that stuff it's not pretty it's not nice but the thing that really comforted us was was so many people kind of some of them just even came out of the woodwork and and really cared for us And were concerned for us and loved us. Even people that we hardly knew would, uh, you know, give us a phone call or write us a little card or or or, or, uh, ring us up. Even even our non-Christian friends were telling us they were praying for us. (laughs) Well, they weren't praying. They just say, "Yeah, we're really thinking of you." And it was it was so tangible. I could actually feel people's love for us. And it was just such a wonderful time because it was really frightening and, and uh, really, really scary and difficult for us. And uh, here we are, uh, I don't know how long it's been now, 25, 30 years, and uh, the healing came. It came through all the medical stuff that Jackie went through and uh, through our wonderful uh, health system here in South Australia. Don't you ever believe for one second that we've got a bad health system in this state. We have a brilliant health system here. The people that work in it are loving and caring, uh, very skilled, and uh, uh, I, I can't, one tax I don't mind paying is the Medicare levy. I'll pay a bit more on that one. I don't like paying the other stuff, but I don't mind, paying, don't mind paying that one. So I want to suggest to you today that Jesus is not all you need. You need some very close people. Now, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, uh, it's been a long, long time since I went to school, but you know when you went to school, there was a bunch of kids in the school, but there was just this one, that one, maybe a third, and they became your besties. Do you remember that? Did you have that experience? It was just Now, why are you drawn to that one and not that one? You might like that one, but you end up having a real friendship I've still got one of my old mates from high school days that we still uh, connect with and and uh, we're still still in touch. And uh, he was a great friend in many ways. Uh, not the least of all, he he was a bit wealthier than I and he could afford to buy mad magazines. They, do they still make those? So our last year of high school, we spent every moment we could reading the latest mad comics and the mad magazines. And the slippin' teachers used to annoy us by breaking into that and making us go to class. Can you believe that? I mean, the education system was really bad back in the 60s. <laughs> so imagine that. Now, why was I drawn to him? Why was he drawn to me? We came from quite different backgrounds. I don't think any of us know. Either of us know. The uh, funny thing is, we both ended up coming to Christ in different ways and paths, and both became pastors. So who knows? Mad magazines have a place <laughs> in, this, in this world. In this world, so have you got some besties now in a church this size? Everybody here is your brother or sister, and everyone here has the love of God in their hearts as you do. But you can't actually be a bestie with every single person here. It's just just not possible. So, who are you drawn to? Who I I hope you've got two or three people in this congregation that are are really close to you that can bring you comfort. But hey, guess what? They need you too. And if you don't have people like that in your life, uh, can I ask that you make that a matter of prayer and just ask the Lord to connect you with two or three people and uh, hopefully you don't have to go through the dark time that I went through, but... You will go through dark times. Jesus promised we would have tribulation in this world. And when you can't find Jesus, I'll tell you where he is. He's in that friend. And he comes to you and he comforts you. And so I'd really encourage you, if you don't already have uh, those connections, to really reach out for them. That person... They understand you, they, uh, you can share anything with, with them, they will speak the truth into your life, but they will never put you down and all they will do is lift you up and build you up and encourage you. That's how the comfort of God, one of the main ways the comfort of God is released. The second way that the comfort of God comes to us is, which I've already mentioned got a bit ahead of myself, um, through the comfort of the scriptures. And again, just another personal story. Uh, so we moved to Adelaide. We uh, joined the church down at Port Adelaide, which is now called uh, Port Life, I think it's called now. And uh, we settled in there, I had a couple of pastors, good mates of mine who loved me and settled us into the church. It was a great church for us and it really worked well and they the, the pastors there wouldn't hear of me never preaching again. That got me back on my feet again, got me preaching again, and we ended up on the board and, and serving in the church there. And as those few years went by, the old calling of God just started to come alive again. And you know the callings of God, he never takes them away. And even though I'd said, that's it, I'm never going to be a preacher again, he just laughed. He said, I'll fix you, boy. And so that desire was coming back. So around about 1987, and I'd started a career in the real estate industry with one of the chaps in the church that had a real estate company. He was very good to me. And um, and so I got to 1987. I'm thinking, uh, where, what's the future got for me? I, I, uh, Lord, I, I had an opportunity in the business world. Um, I, know, I knew the boss wanted to retire. I had an opportunity to buy that business. Uh, that was one option, or do I leave that employer and start up my own business and And what about this ministry calling god what am i What am I going to do about that is there Is there an opportunity so one uh, one day the um, I think you may have heard of the Bethesda Church down on the south side of town, and they 'd put on a one day seminar they had an interstate speaker come down. And uh, I thought, okay, I'll take a day off and go to the seminar. So we went along, and the pastor was up preaching and, uh, and teaching uh, from the book of Jeremiah. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but uh, he read the scripture passage and he talked about that and what, how it was relevant to our day. And then I just kept reading the next couple of verses. Now, I'd been just praying, asking God, where am I going? What do you want me to do? And this scripture um, just leapt off the page at the bottom of the passage. Now, it's probably a bit rude of me to read on instead of listening to him. But anyway, <laughs> me and God were having a bit of a thing. So, um, sorry, Isaiah, not Jeremiah. And it says, and this shall be a sign for you. This year you shall eat what grows of itself. And in the second year, what springs from that Then in the third year, sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And it just leapt off the page to me. And it was the first time I'd ever have a prophetic word from God with some timing on it. So what that meant to me was, in that year, 1987, eat what grows from itself. In other words, just keep working in the church, doing what you're doing. Keep working in the business, doing what you're doing. And then next year, 1988 you're going to continue to work and minister from from that year, and the same thing in the year from that, 1989, but then in the third year, 1990, then you're going to go and you'll sow and reap your own ministry and you'll sow and reap your own business. And I just sat there and I thought, oh, man, thank you, Jesus. Now I've got a clear direction. I, I, I know what's going to happen over the next three years. So it just settled me down. I... Stop being anxious. Uh, buried myself in my business work and my church work, and just continued to serve, faithfully working away. And 1990 rolls around, and I'm thinking, well, hmm, this is the third year. This is the year I'm going to go out. And one thing I've learned about prophetic words: you don't have to make them happen. You have to let God make them happen. So, but I'm curious, and I'm just just thinking, well, I wonder what the Lord wants me to do. He, 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 I've, I've done what he said. I've worked that year, the next year, the next year. Now it's time to change. So Thursday mornings, we used to have a, a prayer time with the with the board members in the church there. And uh, so we, we gather for our usual Thursday prayer time. And the senior pastor uh, says, you know, we're just chit-chatting before we got into the prayer. And he said, uh, I don't know if you chaps have heard but they're looking for a new pastor up at Elizabeth, and as soon as he said that, I knew that was me. So we went, got through the prayer time somehow, went to work, and I'm having this, I'm having this fight all day between my mind and my heart. My heart is saying yes, yes, because there was a little church here uh, in Elizabeth, CRC Church. It had uh, had about 150 members. But due to some really dreadful things that had happened, it had dwindled down, dwindled down. There's about six families left. Uh, some of those families are here in the church now. Uh, not here today, but uh, some of you would know Robbie and Paul, and so they were in that little group. So I'm having this this fight. My my heart's going yes, yes. My head's going no, 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 not not Elizabeth. So anyway, I get home and. Um, uh, I don't know if uh, your wives do this to, to you chaps, but my wife's du- one of her duties is to read my mail. This is back in the days when we had paper mail, this is pre emails. I um, don't know if you young people know what letters are, but pieces of paper, people actually hand wrote them, folded them, stuck in an envelope, put a stamp on, and the postie delivered. Unheard of today. So I get home. Having this day of turmoil, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Um, Because I had no income to come to. I had no, no, um, the church was tiny. They didn't have any money, couldn't afford to pay me. Uh, But yet I felt God saying, I want you to go up there and I want you to put your arms around that little group and love them and heal them and we're going to grow a church. Oh, yes, that's what I want to do. Oh, no, I don't yes I do, no I don't, I get home Jackie's read the mail and in the mail there's the minutes from the CRC State Executive and in there it said the pastor of that Elizabeth um, group had, had gone and we're now looking for a new pastor so she says to me oh um, I read the minutes today, they're looking for a new pastor in Elizabeth, maybe we could go there <laughs> I, I said <laughs> Let me tell you what I've been going through today. Oh, my goodness, the turmoil. And uh, so anyway, that was... Uh, and so that did come to pass. And I, uh, my boss thought I was an absolute idiot, uh, giving up my highly paid job with him, uh, moving up here. Uh, the local agent up here kindly gave me a job, so that helped with some of our income. And so we um, started to be pastors again of about... 10 or 12 people and, uh, and the Lord did bless and that, that congregation did grow and we then eventually did move on from that um, about six, seven years later and uh, went to the Gawler Church for a few years and then came to Hope Central uh, back in 2001. So we've been here for 20 years. So those scriptures, that scripture was just such a comfort I didn't know what to do and I I wasn't overly stressed, but I just had no clear direction. Uh, That pastor that preached on that day no idea who I was or has ever met me and would never have known that was happening, that the Lord was just having a little moment with me while he was preaching his stuff. His stuff was good too, but this is what, what really spoke to me. So how do you get comfort from the scriptures? Well, you have to read it. And uh, there is—you may get it from someone preaching. You might be listening to a podcast. uh, You might be reading a book. But we have to apply ourselves, and so that we can receive. And God will speak in such a way. And I've got a few prophetic scriptures I want to give out to people this morning, uh, just as we get to the end of the message. And I hope that they will speak to you in your situation. But I can't get around everybody because. We have to bring the service to a close, don't we? Okay, here's Paul again. I'm acting with great boldness towards you. I have great pride in you. I'm filled with comfort in all of our affliction. I'm overflowing with joy for even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. So here we see Paul getting comfort from his co-worker Titus. And Titus comes, now it doesn't tell us how he comforted him, but again, Paul's in trouble, he's in affliction, and he receives this great comfort from his friend Titus, and also from the people that Titus had been ministering to. They comforted him as well. So here 's George and Allison just thought i'd i'd show you their picky and uh, i 'd do anything for that bloke I tell you he he literally saved me and without him i wouldn't i wouldn't be here today so if you 've ever received any blessing from me or any help, thank george and uh, he's he's a great friend now, I mentioned before that not only do we need comfort, but we need to also comfort one another. And I've just got a, a big long list of, of called the one another's of scripture. And so these are all commandments to us. So the references are there. Now, I decided I'd just put these on a little handout so you don't have to jot them down. But I'd love you to just go through and read these. So love one another. Be devoted to one another. Be at peace with one another. Be kind to one another. Live in harmony with one another. Accept one another. Sorry, that's a typo there. Instruct one another. Bear with one another. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Offer hospitality to one another. Serve one another. Speak with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. Forgive one another. Confess your sins to one another. And comfort one another and agree with one another. So there's a bunch of one another's. And now I want to just finish today with a quote from John Wesley, the great founder of the Methodist Church. A lot of us here have got some roots back in Methodism. And John Wesley says, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can at all, times, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. <laughs> How good is that? So, so I'll, just, I'll just leave you with that, uh, that little thought to encourage you and to um, inspire you to, to go on and keep going. been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.